we continue our inquiry on the theme, What do we know about the limitations of God's omnipotence from the Bible and from common sense? We had the text in 2 Timothy 2.13, He cannot deny himself. We have seen that although the Bible presents God as the great Almighty One and describes Him as the source of all the mighty movements about us, the omnipotence of God is nevertheless subject to limitations. There are natural impossibilities, which are limitations. God cannot deny His existence. He cannot modify His essence. He cannot create a being equal with Himself. He cannot make a thing to be and not to be at the same time. He cannot eradicate a past event. He cannot create an object with contrasting qualities. He cannot abolish the laws of mathematics, which are observed to be based on unalterable facts. Further, we have seen that the nature of God imposes limitations upon His omnipotence. God cannot do anything inconsistent with the perfections of His moral character, with His rectitude, with His goodness, with His intelligence and wisdom. In the first place, the essential nature and being of God will prevail without variation. Thus omnipotence will always be limited in the same sense. He abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. These scriptures have set forth this unalterable fact. But secondly, God can never look with favor upon sin or devaluate the importance of holiness. Sin will always be sin, and as such intensely detested. There will never be any lessening of his antagonism toward such rebellious moral beings. God can never have periods when he becomes more lenient toward sin and more tolerable toward his persistent indulgence. In the prophecy of Habakkuk, Chapter 1 and verse 12, the first part of that verse, we read these words, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? And then in verse 13, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. So God can never look with favor upon sin. And so this essence of his nature will be a regulation to the manifestation of his omnipotence. In the third place, nothing can be an object of power that will require God to act wrongfully. Sin is a choice of the wrong in preference to the right. It is to violate true intelligence. It is to act without a mental balance of all that is involved. It is to act with reference to supreme self-interest and defiance of the rights of other beings. It is a violation of law or an intelligent rule of action, which is an expression of what is right and proper in the nature of things. 
God is under the law of his own moral character. The law given to Moses in the Decalogue is merely an expression of the self-regulation that God imposes upon himself, of course, as adapted to our own situation as human moral beings. God cannot have any deficiency and therefore cannot sin. And so we read in James chapter 1 and verse 13 in answer to this question, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It cannot then be a deficiency in omnipotence to say that the wrong use of power is impossible. In the fourth place, Scripture points out that it is impossible for God to lie or to misrepresent things for some selfish reason. There is nothing in the character of God to be ashamed of, no false pretense to cover up. So while Satan was said by our Lord to have originated the idea of falsehood to cover up the true nature of his character, as in John 8:44, God cannot lie because he has no reason to. He has no wrongs to make appear right. Therefore, in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, we read asserted this fact. Let us read from verse 17 wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So here it is plainly inserted that it is impossible for God to lie. When we say, therefore, that the nature of God places a limitation upon the operations of omnipotence, this limitation is not a defect, but a former perfection. God is the great self-consistent being whose unbounding energy is subject to his character or to what is right and proper before the eyes of all. God has power over his power or is in absolute control of all his operations. But thirdly, the will of God also imposes limitations on the operations of omnipotence. God simply has not chosen to bring to pass everything that is possible. Or we may say that God has not exhausted himself in what he has purposed to bring into existence. He may launch forth on new creative ventures, or for aught we know, may now be doing so. Jesus said before he left this earth that he would assume his former dignity and deity and set about to do something new, to prepare an abode 
for his dear ones who would take up his cross with joy. God is not a slave to his own omnipotence. One has said thus, God can do all he will, but he will not do all he can. And another said, God has a willpower over his nature power and is not compelled to do all that he can do. John the Baptist illustrated this principle among his enemies when he said, doubtless looking down at the stones before him in the wilderness, God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Although so many Jews who claim literal descent from Abraham failed utterly to testify to their spiritual descent, we are never told that God exercised the supernatural power described to raise up by his creative hand others from the very stones to fill the gap. When our Lord Jesus presented himself to the official recognition of his own people, which he as Jehovah had led through the wilderness and bestowed abundant blessings upon, there should have been an unparalleled and undying ovation to the Lord of glory. Our Lord said that if his disciples and the dear enthusiastic children had not made such a commotion in praising his worthy name, God would have had to make the very stones before them to cry out, as we read in Luke 19.40. But we never read that they did. So God is able to do infinitely more than he ever has to manifest his almighty power. And it is most comforting to know that we may serve a God who holds such a storehouse of power in abeyance. The very idea of omnipotence strongly infers the freedom of will and the action possessed by the Godhead. God has power over his power. He has storehouses of unreleased energy subject to the wise directives of his will. No cause independent of himself determines God's will. It is a spontaneous, voluntary action in full view of what is involved, and omnipotence is there with great efficiency to bring it to pass. God is limited also, therefore, by his holy will. As we read in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 4, there is none other God but one. And in Revelation 19.6, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. How profound is the God of the Bible. What a remarkable being. What a thrill that man has the privilege of having been given such a remarkable existence and having been given the very qualities of personality to perceive something of the operations of such a great and profound God. And how wonderful that God possesses this unbounding energy of personality, this great omnipotence of his being, and yet that this great omnipotence is under the control of his character. Woe unto us! if it was not so controlled. 
But God in his great omnipotence invites sinners to repent, to come to his merciful hand through the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in his atoning death, receive pardon of sin, receive happiness of relationship, receive a comprehension of the revelation of the heart of God within our own bosoms. How privileged we are. How wonderful that God is such a great God. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, how thankful we are that we can consider something of thy great power and that we can meditate upon thy great character and thy great personality, how it should enshrine our hearts with a great joy. Oh, may all who hear thy word repent of sin, come to the cross of Jesus Christ by faith, receive forgiveness and the joyous relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, both here and forever, in whose name we pray, amen.